0: We are lucky today to have a talk inspired by the seventh precept about not elevating oneself, blaming others, there are other ways to to put that, Um, not praising oneself while subtly undercutting others, not pumping ourselves up while we are diminishing someone else. It's subtle how we do that. We can feel it, uh, but somehow it also feels like it's in our culture in a very pervasive way i'm looking at uh, the book by Aiken roshi the mind of clover which is about buddhist ethics and it was written quite a many years ago probably three decades ago and he has this to say um, Arrogance condemns the arrogant one. That's what our sixth ancestor, Hui Neng, says. And so I must summon up self-praise and go about abusing other people. Examples of self-condemnatory arrogance are all about us. Look at us, the United States. It's clear that we have made great mistakes with other nations and we praise our own product of national defensiveness and fear. We doubt our own worth and feel vulnerable, so we lash out to prevent others from attacking us first. Of course, the United States is not alone in such behavior. We see the same foreign policy in the actions of other nations. I had a friend this week say that as she was trying to decide what to say in a Dharma talk, that she was asking herself, whose social media do I believe? (coughs) Can you mute yourself, please? Whose propaganda do I believe?
1: The United States' propaganda, Russia's propaganda. We all do it. We all have it, our propaganda. And often it's about it's not my fault, it's your fault, or it's someone else's fault. It's really hard just to be in the mix of it all, in the soup. So much of it about not knowing. So much of it about learning to love ourselves with all of our difficulties and what we may perceive as our shortcomings. We're very hard on ourselves. And at the same time, often speaking for myself, defensive. I don't love showing other people how vulnerable I am. Though I've had a very good teacher of late. (laughs) Stays right with me. Doesn't go away. So, this morning, Harmony is going to give us a talk on the seventh precept. We're very grateful to you, Harmony. You have been a steadfast and very supportive, open, uh, trusting Sangha member since our very beginnings.
0: And uh, your music has often enlivened us uh,
1: your big, generous heart, too. so we welcome you, and please unmute yourself.
2: Thank you so much, Jean and everyone. Um, as Jean said, my name is Harmony. And I'm going to speak to you today about my adventures with the seventh precept, which have been kind of like riding a scary wild horse, which takes me where it wants to go, and it's my job to just hold on and pay attention. Um, But before that, I'm going to give a little context about the precepts And how they have changed my life. But now I want to offer my deep gratitude to this precious Sangha, to my deep-hearted precept study sisters, and to the great generosity of our teachers, Jean, Wendy, and Stephanie. And a very deep bow to my precept buddy Connie Mary for the equal ground on which we wonder, laugh, and confess our confusions. We live in a world of holy beauty. We live in a world of holy beauty, but the predominating culture has become overwhelmingly predatory. Many bright minds work fiercely and competitively every day to find the most effective ways to scam the rest of us for their own benefit. Truth and facts are scarce on the ground and lies, misinformation are embraced even by those of us who think we know better. We are unmoored from reality as we hurtle toward the destruction of our geosphere, which literally allows us to live and breathe. We ask ourselves, what can I do? And I ask myself, what's an old lady in a small rural hamlet to do? I remind myself of Carolyn Casey's quote, The most revolutionary thing we can do is to hold a positive vision. And I think this is true. Every day I work to keep some balance, to not allow myself to be disabled by fear and depression and an illusion of helplessness so that I can be alert to what life is calling me to do right here, right now. One of the biggest aids, of course, is Zen practice, where I can watch the hijinks of my own mind, triggering emotional responses, lighting up my neural network like a firework display. And add to this the study of the precepts, which has deeply altered my life. I ran across the precepts in my mid-twenties as I began studying and practicing Zen. I dismissed them. Oh yeah, that's the Zen version of the Ten Commandments. Got that. Well, people talk about ripe old age, to which I have come at last, 76. It has been my great good fortune to have joined this Sangha and to be reintroduced to the precepts when I am apparently ripe enough at last to be open to them. On a sunny Sangha morning at the Presbyterian Church in Point Reyes, Jean passed out an innocent-looking piece of paper, a list of the precepts. Beams of light shone through the stained-glass windows of the church, highlighting the second precept. Do not lie. I looked at it and thought, okay, but I don't lie. That week, I decided to dip my toe in the water of this precept, telling the anxiety I found arising in me that we would go slowly and gradually and just see what happens. I was counting on a controlled experiment. Five days later, the embrace of this precept and circumstances combined to reveal to me a huge, devastating lie at the center of my life. I had buried that lie many years ago, buried it so deeply, and armored it so strongly with a vow to take it to my grave. Believing to do so was to protect others I loved. I was severely shaken and panicked at what revealing this truth would mean to me and my family, yet it was clear that it was absolutely essential that I do so. Jean was so kind in helping me through this difficult passage, introducing me to Dogen's words, don't know is most intimate. I am happy to report that this truth telling was accomplished and resulted in a profound healing for my family. Now, I am asked to report on my experience with the seventh precept, traditionally worded, do not praise yourself at the expense of others. I have chosen to concentrate on Diane Rosetto's version. I take up the way of standing on equal ground with others. I grew up in a house where concerns about social justice and community service were a given. Like our Sangha family, I have spent my life working for these values. As soon as I open to the precept, it feels like a big bright light gets turned on so that I can view everything through this lens. Even when I feel like I would like to rest, film clips arrive of my life present and past. This, this, this. It's painful. It's painful to see that despite the meta values that were bred in me by my home life, how many times I have fallen short of standing on equal ground with others due to ignorance, fear, or a shut-down heart. An image came to me kind of like a New Yorker cartoon of a crowd scene where everyone was on seesaws. There were seesaws the size of skateboards regular playground seesaws, and huge 12-foot-long seesaws. I realized that this apparently solid metaphorical ground we think we are living on is not actually real. That we cannot count on it to be present to stand on. Instead, within the course of a day's interaction with others, and even more critically, interactions with myself, I am very frequently riding the ups and downs of my feelings of being right and wrong, my feelings of being good or bad, my feelings of being worthy or not, and my feelings of what someone else should be and isn't. I have spent the last five weeks noticing the tilt inwardly, I am going along feeling just fine when suddenly an email arrives or someone, usually quite unknowingly, offers a remark that triggers an emotional reaction of either being worse or better than. I notice the seesaw effect within myself when I look in the mirror first thing in the morning or when I'm awake at the mercy of my thoughts in the wee hours of the night. I notice how I want to reject those feelings. For one thing, I seem to believe that I'm too old to still be having them. This precept has led me very uncomfortably to look at my regrets and the sources of that regret. I have also to accept this tilting, uneven ground is going to arise whenever and wherever. At this point, I can only keep to the practice of noticing it. Also, the seventh precept focused my attention on a dominating force in my life that I have never fully acknowledged or named. A powerful someone inside who believes I should be much, much better than I am. She is the one who rolls out the critique after social encounters and points out the flaws in my behavior and speech, among other things. Another image came to me of a giant pinata, a big old fat me floating like a Thanksgiving Day balloon over my head. She overshadows everything I do, and unconsciously I take to heart everything she has to say about continuously falling short of better. And now I realize that I am way over tired of living with this inner roommate. Someone may be thinking, fine, 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 but what does this have to do with the seventh precept? Seems like it's all about the shakiness of our own inner balance that allows me or anyone to praise oneself at the expense of others. Beyond that, it's about the deeply held illusion that we are separate beings. All of this is responsible for tragic and horrific consequences of unequal ground we witness daily on our planet. Many years ago, I read in a book Two Mayan words, kateka yelir. Not sure if that's, in fact, I know that's not how they're pronounced. (laughs) Anyway, kateka yelir. They mean, I am another you. I put them in a song so that I would remember them, and with which I will end this talk. I'm just going to get my notes here, my note here.
3: Mm-hmm. The thoughts of the earth are my thoughts, and the voice of the earth is my voice. There are no backwaters here, and only one river to cross, and the point of all this practicing is to Waken from a dream Of some separate self There is no separate self Kateka Yalir I am another you Kateka you are another me Kateka <laughs> Ho.
2: Mother Teresa says, We suffer so much because we have forgotten that we belong to each other. Thank you for your kind listening. And my question for our breakout groups is, can you describe a recent situation in which you felt the tilt of unequal ground, more than, better than, within yourself or another? If this does not work for you, please just say anything that arises in you about the seventh precept. And thank you again.
1: Thank you so much harmony. Thank you so much.